0: This talk is entitled, Trust, Mercy is the Path of the Love-Crucified Community. It was given by Monsignor Ron Sierra on September 13, 2019.
1: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. There are things that go on in our life. That we can only see in looking in the rearview mirror. And one of them in my life is an incident that happened in 1953. And the only reason I can recall it is because about 20 years ago, I was looking at journals that I had kept in the seminary, and I went back to read them. And one, it was in the spring of 1953, I wrote in my journal that on this particular day, I had read quite a bit about a devotion to divine mercy. And I said in my journal, and I have a sense that What I read today is going to have a very important part in my life, in in my later part of life. Now, in 1953, I don't know what I read, but in 1953, devotion to the Divine Mercy had already been condemned as taught by Faustina, had been condemned by the Vatican. So, did I read something about it that before it was condemned? I don't know. But I do know that I had a sense of a future predestination with this subject. and. It all came to pass that I had this great connection from Krakow, living there, visiting the Chapel of Faustina, meeting John Paul II. All of those things together brought me into the life of and the knowledge of divine mercy. Well, lately, there have been experiences that I've been having again. And I'm beginning to get a sense of the importance for every member in Love Crucified to grasp something that I'm going to say now. That divine mercy devotion is not separate, as I often think or thought of it, separate from our being connected to the simple path. It is of the very essence of our being connected to the simple path. And I'll explain what I'm saying. Jesus tells Sister Falsina that his greatest attribute is mercy, and that we could never fathom it. We could never even begin to grasp, with our whole lives, how great his mercy is. Is this attribute? Defines who he is, then the more we absorb this mercy into our lives, the more fully we can become the person who becomes one with Christ. Suffer with me no longer, one, two, but one in my sacrifice of love. We cannot suffer and live with him without being covered inside and out with this attribute of mercy. Number, uh, I'm going to read to you one of the uh, numbers in the diary. Number 50. Maria, will you look for it in Spanish while I look for it in English? Number 50, he says, I desire that priests proclaim this great mercy of mine towards souls of sinners. Let the sinner not be afraid to approach me. The flames of mercy are burning me, clamoring to be spent. I want to pour them out upon these souls. And then in number 50 also, Jesus complains to Sister Faustino in these words. Distrust. On the part of souls is tearing at my insides. The distrust of a chosen soul causes me even greater pain. Despite my inexhaustible love for them, they do not trust me. Even my death is not enough for them. Woe to that soul that abuses these gifts. The distrust of a chosen soul causes me even greater pain. Would any of us not acknowledge that the very fact we are victim souls and love crucified makes us a chosen soul. There's, there's, we're, we're chosen in, in, in a way that it's so unique because th- who is chosen to be a victim so automatically every priest. Hmm. And so if laity then become chosen to be victim souls, and your response to this vocation to be a victim soul, then you have to recognize yourself as a chosen soul. Father Jordy and I are fully aware that we're chosen souls by virtue of our priesthood, but doubly so by virtue of our being connected to love crucified. So what is Jesus saying to us that if we have any distrust for him, it causes him great pain. We who want to be one with him, we who want to be so united with him, could be the very cause of his suffering and pain if what? if we do not have total great trust. And I'm not talking about ordinary trust. I'm talking about an extraordinary trust. Because that is what he's calling us to have in him. We can't have a half-hearted trust do I mean by a half-hearted trust? I'm going to tell you about a story that happened. In fact, it unfolded yesterday, and that's what made me think of this topic for tonight when Father Jordy called me last night, asking me to speak. At the same time yesterday, I had received an email from a legionary brother so the legionary brother and I go back to this past June when I was spending a month at the seminary. Every day, either for breakfast or lunch, sometimes supper, I would purposely sit at a different table. There were 100 theologians, and 100 philosophers. And I would try continuously to mix, to meet all of them. And I'd also meet them in periods of recreation. So in that way, I developed a relationship with them. And sometimes, because they felt I had that grandfather heart for them, they would ask to speak to me or they would open up to me about their personal lives. This one brother in particular, who I'm speaking about tonight, absolutely fascinated me. He was only in his 20s, but he had the mind of a genius. He gave up a very promising career as a concert pianist, much to the sadness of his parents. He had won first prize in classical music in a contest held throughout all of Germany. his parents thought for sure he would go on to, to accomplish great things in music. Instead, after that happened, he felt a strong calling to be a legionary priest. And so now he's three quarters of his way to being ordained. This year, He took a comprehensive exam in philosophy. And at the end of the school season, he was awarded the highest prize for being the most outstanding philosopher all through his four years. Well, when I asked him about what he was going to do this summer, told me about a 30-day retreat that he was going to be on, and then told me about wanting to take a very deep course in the French language at a university in Paris, and that he would need about he would need to raise about 900 euro, almost $1,000, to be able to take that course. That he would have to do that on his own. And so I told him I would pray for him, that it would happen. But I also told him, of course, to look for God's will, if that God wanted it to happen. Well, one day was, I have the date here, I think it was August 29th. He would correspond with me very briefly, but on August 29th, he posed this question to me. Do you think that there's still a realistic chance of his getting that scholarship money? I went to sleep that night, because his Mm -hmm. little message to me came late, and I slept only a few hours and woke up, and I had to immediately write an answer to him. And this is what I wrote him. I kept it, a record of it, because it really, I really was moved to write these things By the Holy Spirit, dear brother, and I'm not mentioning his name, your recent question to me, do I think there's still a realistic chance, made me realize your philosophical mindset needs to be reshaped by a deeper knowledge of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who is at the same time God and his greatest gift. When we live our lives immersed with the desire to live in his will, it is only by submitting our will to the Holy Spirit that this can be realized. Therefore, when we live in that mindset, even though we live in the reality of the present moment, we can never allow ourselves to be confined to asking, is there still a realistic chance that a particular desire can be fulfilled? Because that's narrowing our faith to the reality of this world. And then I quoted something that is in the Bible. And he could work no miracles there because of their little faith. One of the evangelists wrote this about Jesus and his experience in Nazareth. He could work no miracles there because of their little faith. I said to him, the bottom line is this, brother. If it's God's will that you take the French course, nothing will prevent it, even if it does not appear to be realistic to a scholar. But to a man of faith, All things are possible. Yesterday, I received from him, let me find it for you here. I received this message. Father Ron, how are you? You can't imagine what happened to me. Today in the morning, the Athenaeum University notified me saying they are going to pay for my French course. I fly tomorrow. It's amazing. As you said, we have to abandon ourselves completely into the hands of God. God wanted to educate me to trust him. The day before I get the response, not a week before or even two days. No, the day before. So the course of the fees of 860 euro are covered. God gave him a great lesson in trust. But it's important that he also would know this. That. No answer, or an answer we don't want, is also an answer from God if we trust in him. In other words, trusting in God doesn't mean that everything has to work out the way I want it. That would be making God a joke, a magician, a genie you rub or touch, you get what you want. God knows what we need so that we can help others. God does not give us gifts for ourselves. Even as a gift of this brother having this experience of studying French, is going to be for others, not for himself. And this he does understand. But where I'm going with all of this is to ourselves right now. Each and every one of us has to continually be checking the barometer, the pulse of our status of trust. How profoundly, how deeply, how sincerely are we really trusting in Jesus? I had this year experienced the greatest fall That I could remember in my own lifetime of trusting in Jesus. And I've been repenting of it ever since. It was something so small and so insignificant, but still, it was something that I permitted to happen to myself. That I should never have allowed. I should have never allowed myself to distrust God for one second in anything. So, in what area this year did I fail? In what area did I distrust you? Maybe I shared this with you, maybe I didn't. What we, the group of Love Crucified, were in Mexico this year for the beatification of Conchita. I was staying with the consecrated men at their home. And I already had made up my mind that I would not attempt to go to the beatification but that I would watch it on television and the brothers of course arranged for me to watch it on their television set and a couple of them even stayed to watch it with me that was my plan and that I did for various reasons, and I knew that was what God wanted me to do. But where did I fail him in trust? I had these horrific concerns, personally, this anxiety about everyone in love crucified who was going to the beatification of Sister Faustina what were I'm sister I mean of uh, of uh, conchita what was the doubts what were the anxiety that I had First of all it was a very kind of hectic beatification because there were no tickets usually for every beatification there are tickets printed. And certain groups get tickets to at least have seats. That did not exist because I had probed every angle thinking I could surprise the group with tickets. So what I imagined is that the bus would arrive and then the group would have to be standing in either rain or hot sunshine for hours because there were no outdoor seats. And the facilities were very limited. So I could only picture the great discomfort everyone would feel. So much so that I got one of the consecrated brothers to drive me to Costco's They had a Costco card they let me use, and I bought cases and cases of water (laughs) that I delivered ahead of time to the group. And I insisted that they take this water with them because I knew you wouldn't even be able to buy water. And how many hours you could be there, God only knows. Not for one minute did I believe what I saw on television. I'm watching television and I scream, my mouth drops. There in the first rows practically of the Basilica is Lourdes and a group of people from Love Crucified. There in another part of the Basilica is other members of Love Crucified. Every single one who got on that bus got in that Basilica and had seats. Now we know it was thanks to the consecrated women who had gone early, early in in the morning, hours ahead of us, of everyone, and reserved those seats as a way of showing their love, and gratitude for the great retreat they had. But my part of the story is what? I mistrusted the love that God has for our community. And I was convicted of it immediately. And I'm almost grateful for this opportunity to confess my, <laughs> to confess my fault of not trusting that God in his great love for the community would give each and every one of you a beautiful place to witness the beatification now, point of my whole, of telling you about all of this is, what is the level of your trust in divine mercy? It's not a separate devotion from our calling. As we already heard Christ say, we are chosen souls. If we do not have total confidence in him, we as a chosen soul are causing him more pain than if we didn't belong to the love crucified community. So what's an example of not trusting? My anxiety, my worry, about how you would survive that's an example in itself how could i not have trusted that god loves you so much that he would take care of you just as he was taking beautiful care of me by placing me in a beautiful place living with the brothers consecrated men and looking at a beautiful television set, sitting in a comfortable chair. He had taken care of me, witnessing the beatification. Why should I have thought for one second he wasn't going to take care of you? You see what horrible lack of trust I had in his total love for each of us? That is not permissible. God forbid that I ever in the least mistrust his love again or doubt it. Our our understanding of his mercy has to be beyond the ordinary. That's why it's not Even permissible for us to just skim through the diary of Sister Faustina. We have to absorb that book. And I've said this before, but this time I'm making it so strong because I am so much more convinced of the importance of our being merciful and understanding his mercy so that we as chosen souls could have total trust and abandonment in him. And that only can come through the reading of the diary, because in the diary, we see the struggle that Faustina is permitted to suffer before she begins to grasp the meaning and the understanding of his great attribute of mercy. And we began to see how willing she is to suffer with him so that this devotion could be spread throughout the world. I also had a false sense about that. I really thought, because of all the popes speaking about divine mercy, because of all the miracles of divine mercy, all the devotion there is to divine mercy now in the world, I really had a sense that people were beginning to grasp it. I'm sorry, it's not that I'm being pessimistic. It's just that I'm beginning to see the reality is people have not understood or tried to enter into the depths of his mercy. This is something that has not taken place. And the first place that I saw it has not taken place is in the seminarians. Not just this brother is one example, but I also saw it in the others. How do I see it in people, the lack of trust? When they are over anxious and worried about situations in their family, when they are doubting and discouraged, those are all signs of a lack of trust. When we trust, we have to abandon ourselves to what can happen. You see, we see, we always get caught up in, the horrible thing that could happen. A son leaves the church. A daughter leaves the church. And so we think of them as a lost soul. We think of how horrible their life is going to be. That thinking reveals our lack of trust. That thinking reveals that God is not in charge. There is no room for us to have anything but peace and joy in every bad situation that occurs. No matter how great the tragedy, no matter how great the suffering, We have to remain in peace and trust if we are going to catch the eye of Jesus and not the wrath of Jesus. If we're going to live in the love of Jesus, that's the way to do it. If we're going to suffer with Jesus, we can only suffer with him if we are merciful like he is. Because to suffer without our being merciful and trusted is to be a fake saint. Jesus sees through us. And Jesus' gift of mercy is revealed to us in the simple path. When he convicts us of our sinfulness, the way he convicted me of my mistrust, that's a gift. When he gives us self-knowledge, that's a gift of his mercy. When he gives us a knowledge of God the Father's love for us, that's a gift of his mercy. Every day he gives us these gifts, and we get so centered on the difficulty or the problem, and wanting it resolved that we lose the moment and we lose the gift and we lose the graces of that moment. So be confirmed and convicted today that you must read the diary, the whole book that you must absorb the meaning, the profound depth of his merciful love for us. And you could only do that through the book. Why? Because that was the whole purpose of his chosen sister Faustina, to write the diary. To reveal to the world His merciful love, as that certainly the popes have written about it, which shall only confirm us in trust. This, I thought that John Paul II brought a lot of knowledge about mercy. And trust of the Diary to the World. But Pope Francis has made it even more profound. He constantly calls us to that deeper trust, to that deeper relationship with Christ, It's a simple path in, in the book. I was looking at the, today I have the book in front of me, and I was looking at the contents. Think about this. In the sacred heart of Jesus, the purification of the sacred heart. The first nail, the second nail. The intimacy of suffering. It was in the crucifixion and the piercing of his heart that the rays of his merciful love poured out. That's why we have to understand how profoundly this attribute is connected to our being's victims of love. It's not a separate devotion. That, and, and this is something that I've only grasped in the past few weeks. It's only been coming to me gradually. Because even I had this idea, okay, I can preach about his mercy, I'm an apostle of his mercy, and now we have love crucified. No, <laughs> that's ridiculous. This attribute, has to be a part of me, because it's the only way I can reflect the tenderness of Christ. It talks about our being tender, talks about our our loving those most difficult to love. None of that's possible if I don't have total trust in his merciful love. None of that is possible if I don't trust in him with abandonment. And if I have anxiety or fear, then that's not trusting. You can't have a a melange of fear, anxiety, and trust. It won't come out. it doesn't it's, it's like trying to make two and two 44. There's no room for anything but total faith. I like to call to mind before I end here We we went over time. I didn't realize it. I'll just call to mind the story of the four young of the boy of the young men, At Capernaum, they carried their buddy on a stretcher. And they lowered him through the roof to Jesus. And, you know, that was the most beautiful scene. Because Jesus, the first thing he says to them, that he was moved deeply by their great faith. And their love. These, they were, and he called them young people. These were young people. These were probably teenagers. And they went through all that trouble, made all that effort to lower their paralytic young friend through the roof. So that Jesus could see him and heal him. They believed it would happen. All they had to do was tear apart that roof and get to Jesus. That's what was so pleasing to Jesus. Their faith in him, their trust in him. It was a piece of cake for Jesus to cure that man because of their great faith. Good night and God bless you. Excuse me for going 10 minutes over
0: time. Thank you, Father. It was worth it. God bless you. I pray that um, the grace of receiving this this teaching may really move our hearts to, to have the trust and the mm. mercy of God be our everything. Thank you, Father. Thank you. God bless everyone. May we now go to sleep and Great peace and joy knowing that everything is in the hands of God. And even if the most terrible thing happens, like the most terrible thing that Mary could live is the crucifixion of her only son. And that became the greatest gift of love and salvation for humanity. Amazing. So... It's a God who brings out of tragedies, out of things that seem bad, if we live them in, in trust and faith, the greatest good. So thank you, Father, for bringing this to life for us tonight. Your
1: example, me. your example of that of Mary trusting that something great would happen from the crucifixion, is something beautiful because. We have that false notion that Mary knew everything. She didn't,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: he tested Mary just the way he tests us. Mm -hmm. That's why when she found him and, and looked lost in the temple, she said, why have you done this to us? She didn't know she lived by faith.